Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Happy Halloween time! I'm Roz Hernandez. I'm a comedian and the host of the paranormal comedy podcast, Ghosted by Roz Hernandez, produced by Starburns Audio. On my podcast, I talk to famous people, comedians, experts, and listeners about all things paranormal. We're talking Ouija boards, poltergeists, aliens, psychics, demons, Bigfoots, and of course, ghosts. My podcast is weekly all year long and i've got over three years of episodes currently available for all your spooky needs recent guests include Patton oswald but it felt like the minute i walked away from the monitors and i couldn't see anything that's when the ghost started moving around naomi ek paragon a ghost isn't like somebody it's not like a return it's like somebody who was like mm, i don't feel like leaving and chris colfer whatever it was slowly just disappeared and that's when I knew, oh, that that was a uh, that was not a person. Subscribe to Ghosted by Roz Hernandez on Apple Podcasts and everywhere you get podcasts. Crab feast. You know what it's all about. This is the crab feast. I'm yelling, fuck that. You ain't gotta ask me, cause you can trust that. Every Tuesday, you already knew though. Orion Sick, the soccer star, Juco. Above ground, cool goes better than most. Jay Larson, self diagnosed. Go down low this week, last week. Here we go again. Fuck the crab feast. It's the Back to the crab <laughs> feast, y'all. No, <laughs> it's time to change. Ah, ah, the crab ass. feast. Oh, that ass. Woo! Take it, baby. Tough sled. Take it, baby. Man, I'm just slipping off that bronze contention Man, out there at the Summer Olympics. I got a cough, son. You know what I mean? I, I heard like, it. My range isn't what it used to be. I can feel it. Um, good to see you. Good to Jay see Larson you, Com. Sickle Cell. Great to be here with you guys. Feast Nation, Jay Larson over here, jlarsoncomedy.com, Jay Larson Comedy, all social media. I want to say uh, big thanks to everybody in Cleveland. I had a blast out there. So many Crab Feast fans came out. We're asking about you, as That's they always nice. do. 
And uh, you guys were fantastic. I was very pleasantly surprised by your town, and I was very happy to be there. Uh, I also want to say thank you to everyone who's purchased my special at jlarsoncomedy.com. And anyone who hasn't purchased it yet or taken a look at it, please do. Uh, I love sharing my comedy with the world, and um, that's where you can find it, at jlarsoncomedy.com. I got a bunch of in-town dates, and I will let you know those through social media. And then uh, Wenatchee, Mm -hmm. uh, Washington. I am at uh, coming to see you guys on February third on my birthday. So where is that in Washington? It's I don't know. It's way up there. It it's north, like, like two hours from Seattle or something like that. North? Yeah, it's yeah. north. I think I'm probably gonna get corrected by a bunch of people. But sickle cell. Ryansickler dot com. Ryan Sickler on all social media. Uh, Want to tell you? Yeah, I have in doubt. Uh, I laugh because I have in town dates as well. And I said last week uh, I was gonna just promote them on social media, and you're like, oh. So I like that you're taking a little page play I've always, I've always said that. Uh, Want to tell you about a couple of things. The banter app. Jay and I have mentioned it before, where we go back and forth. You can follow your uh, some of your favorite comedians on the app over there, uh, having some conversations, some fun, funny conversations. That's the banter app, uh, and you know we just love laughable man. Uh, Laughable is a comedy podcast app, and uh, iPhone users, make sure you're using the Laughable app. It lets you subscribe directly to comedians and stay current on their appearances as a host or guest. And as far as we're concerned, for any and all Crab Feast-related information, go to thecrabfeast.com. you got your merch available over there. Uh, premium apps are available over there. And uh, make sure you follow the Crab Feast on Facebook and Twitter. Um, excited to have uh, back again with us this week to sponsor the podcast, Squarespace. If you have an idea, a cool idea you want to turn into a new website, Squarespace is the spot for you. If you want to showcase your work, Squarespace. Bring or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, promote your physical or online business. So many different things you can do with a website, and Squarespace is simple and easy and beautiful. It's They're good-looking sites, and I say that because I recently updated my website. Uh, if you've gone there to get my special, jlarsoncomedy.com, you would know that, uh, and we use Squarespace, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do something that's professional. Like I always thought, like, oh, what's it going to look like? And then, boom, I was like, oh, my God. First of all, yeah. there's so many options of things you can do. Their templates are gorgeous because they're created by world-class designers. So they bring designers in to create these templates. They create them for you, and then you go into them. You don't need to be a world-class designer. They already brought them in there. They have great e-commerce, e-commerce uh, functionality, which is great if you're selling something online. The ability you can customize the look and feel, settings, products, with just a few clicks. It's, it's very easy, and I think a lot of us get intimidated by like, I need a website. What do I need to do? How do I get it? Just go over there and check it out. And we're going to make it easier for you because if you go over there, go over to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch your website and use the offer code CRAB, C-R-A-B, and save 10% off your first purchase. So do your research, know what you want to do, and get the website and domain and anything else you want to might get through Squarespace and use code CRAB CRAB at 10 for 10% off. It's I've done it. Anyone can do it. It's a great place to start. Go get started today. A fresh new year has begun and if you're setting new goals for your business, it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team and ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding them. 
This year, let ZipRecruiter help. No one has done a better job of transforming how you find the right talent than they have. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invite them to apply. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash crab. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash crab. Uh, look, we've used them. They're great. It's free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash crab. Ladies and gentlemen, we're excited to have this guy on because there's a chance he won't be around for long. Please <laughs> welcome, first time on the Crab Feast, Mr. Billy O'Connor! Billy O'Connor! Welcome to the Crab Feast. Welcome to the Crab Feast. Hey, wow, hey. Hey. Great, great. Thanks a lot for having me, man. Uh, okay, great. Well, hey, it's a pleasure to have you here. I met you at the All Things Comedy Festival in Phoenix on uh, Paul Verzi's show. Right, right, right. Uh, and you were fascinating, and we were just like, got to have you on. And, uh, you know, as always in this business, it takes a minute to do shit, and here you are. Well, listen, So Ryan, thank you for being here. Hey, Ryan, thank you for having me, Jay. Thanks for having me. Let me push the book. But, uh... <laughs> We Let me prepped, tell you we prepped them. No, man. I mean, when I when I met you guys, when I met you at the uh, at the uh, All Things Comedy Fest in uh, Arizona with Verzi's show, mm-hmm. I had a fucking ball, man. It was that fun. was fun. It, it was, was a re- lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, man. I'm uh, I've had a good run, man. But I'll tell you my story. Real well, quick. hang on a second. Plug your books. See, all right, first yeah, well, of all, let's talk. He's definitely the oldest guest we've ever had on the craft. I mean, you're 70, right? Old as yeah, shit. 70? But he looks like what? Like 77? Yeah, 77. <laughs> hey, I'm proud of every fucking wrinkle. Every wrinkle on his face has got a stone. You know what? look good for you, know you really do. You know what, do. man? They say bad decisions make good stories, right? Yes, yeah, And truth. I got a million fucking stories because I yeah. made a million bad decisions. I'm the only fireman I know. My age, broke, no house, just bought a fucking house like uh, t- uh, two months ago, right? Got no money because I made nothing but bad decisions. The gambling, the drinking, the booze, the drugs, the broads, and I wouldn't change a fucking second of it. <laughs> well, you're, you're now, definitely, a, you're a, certainly a throwback. Oh, uh, man, you come coming around the back end, man. I want to go out with a smile on my face. Every time I fuck, I fuck against the last time I'm ever going to fuck. Because one of these days I'm going to be right, and it's probably going to be soon. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard anyone laugh like they're about to die. And he's like, oh yeah, there's a good Every chance time oh, we got to bring. I look over, scared, oh, you know like you might be dying. Hey, she'll tell you. She'll tell you. You know what? You know what's really weird. His after, girlfriend's here is who he's referring to. After I come hard, after I come, yeah, I come with a screamer, right? I like to fucking make a lot of noise because it compensates for he's the small the prick. Screamer. Yeah, it compensates for the, for the small yeah. prick. I got the Irish curse. I got the fucking you know, it looks like a chimney cricket. I'm hung like you know? yeah. So. uh to compensate, I always make a lot of noise. I've always been a screamer. But what happens is... I've always been always. a screamer. So you've been doing this <laughs> oh, since... Oh, yeah. I figured it out years ago. I figured, figured, listen, man, I've been with a thousand fucking women, right? What makes a great piece of ass? When you think about it, it's enthusiasm. If the chick gets off like she's fucking going nuts... Well, that's going to turn you on because you feel like a fucking porn star, and you're going to be better. So it's always so about enthusiasm. So you do that, it's got to be the same with a guy. Be. It's got to be. It's got to be. That's an interesting it's strategy. Be. 
Man, I thought this guy had a small dick. (laughs) He's screaming at the storm. But not after I, only after I screamed, the problem is now I lose my breath and I start laughing, right? Yeah. And I start getting into these fucking, I got this crazy laugh, right? And so I'm going, (laughs) I've had fucking guys, bouncers knock on my door from hotels like the security. Someone wanting to see the broad to make sure the broad's not dead or getting killed. Somebody complained. Yeah. I've had hookers shove pillows in my mouth. I mean, uh, I've scared the shit out of bros. But I figure this way, listen, if I got to worry about how I come or how I laugh, I must just fucking swallow the blue flame now, right? Just put the 38 in my mouth and pull the trigger. Yeah. I mean, if you can't come, you can't laugh the way you want, 70. How many years you, you know got what? left? You just said the, the, the two words that made the most sense. At 70. I, I, I got lost about 10 minutes ago. Still, at 70, anything goes at 70. You he just drooled head. out of his mouth. Did, did you see that? I, <laughs> I need water, man. When I got an audience, he just drooled out of his own mouth. This is an Irishman's dream, man. I got a, I got a fucking two hold guys. On, hold on a second. Just hang on. I want to help you here. Trapped in a room, we got to listen trapped to me. Is right. I want to help you here. All right. Before we get into it, we have a lot to cover. Please plug your books. Just plug your oh, two yeah, books. Oh, yeah. Okay. My first book. You wrote two books. Yeah. The first book is uh, it's called Confessions of a Bronx Bookie. I was a bookie in the Bronx for about 12 years. It's about sex, drugs, gambling, and a mob. Everything to make this country great. <laughs> How old were you when you did all that? I was, uh, when I, I went back to school at uh, 16. No, how old were you when you were a bookie? Oh, shit. I was... Uh, like, was this before being a fireman? Yes, yes. Definitely, okay. definitely before being a fireman. <laughs> I don't know if it was during. And I never did it. And I never did it while I was on the job either. Let's make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I was a bookie uh, before I got on the job. How old? I was about uh, 28, 29. Okay. I came back from Nam. I was a fucking compulsive gambler. I'm Irish, right? Born in Ireland, born in County Cork. The only thing I can't resist is temptation. You know yeah. what I mean? You put fucking sex, drugs, gambling. I need that shit Hitting a table. Me. I mean, you'll yeah, do my earphones. You will do anything. <laughs> Name it. I'm going in with both feet, you know? So I was I was a compulsive gambler. Mm-hmm. So I figured one day- What I was figured, your, like, poison? Well, oh, sports. Okay. I mean, I could play cards. I'm a good poker player, but sports. I was yeah. fucking nuts for sports, and you can't beat sports. Yeah. I could tell you a million reasons why. I could, I could go into the litany. Yeah, you did I'm talk sure about you, he, you gave some really good stories uh, when I did uh, the podcast with you. All right, but we're, which we're going to get to. I want to, again, let me reel you in real quick here. The other book. Oh, Plug yeah, the okay. Book the first book is Confessions of a Bronx Bookie. Yes. It's kind of autobiographical. Look on Amazon and Kindle, man. Confessions of a Bronx Bookie. There's 80, 80 reviews there. They're all five-star. Some of the reviews are written better than the book. No, no bullshit. It's a good book. You know what? I'm not, really, I'm not review- a good writer. I'm how, a good rewriter. How many, of, right. how many of those reviews did you rewrite? <laughs> <laughs> I am a good rewriter. You know what, man? Let me tell you something. I spent, this is no bullshit. It was just a passion with me. I have a lot of stories to tell. I knew I had a lot of stories to tell. I had a crazy life. And I said, you know what? How do I learn how to write? And I went to school and I got a degree in journalism. Well, I you didn't just writing. go to school. You, you went back to college at, at went to well, college. Went to college went for the first college, time. Yeah. Excuse me. At what age? I was 63. 63. 63. And what no, school? No, sorry, I was 61. And what school was it? Yeah, University of Florida. Florida? You're a Gator? Gator, yeah. <laughs> I, I was there the two years they oh, won the national champ. I was there when they won the national championships in basketball. With Tebow and everything? And, and basketball. Were too. you going to games? Yeah. Well, like in the studio's betting on them. You kidding me? Not like the it. football games. Fuck <laughs> the football. The football was the kids, the band, the noise, yeah. standing up through the whole fucking thing. I think I went to two football games in, in, in the four years. Can I, I ask you there. a question? But the baskets. No. Yes, you can. I'm sorry. Were you, did you sit in the student section? 
Yeah. Okay. You should. I know. Dude. Hey, I was a student. I was a story for them. So you I was want, you, what, did you go for? Was it a four-year degree? Yeah, you got yeah. a bachelor's degree. Four, you got a bachelor's degree in journalism. Yeah. Wow, good for you. Were you retired at the time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd already been retired like five years. I uh, I went down to Keys after nine eleven, and I just started drinking. I was drinking like a quart and a half of scotch a day. God, I mean a day. I mean I was drinking a quart and a half of scotch a day. Believe me. Yeah. And it wasn't something I that was alien to my body either, because my whole life I had pretty much. Drank my balls off, you know? I yeah. mean, we, we've had so many people come on and talk about their addictions, and it always amazes me what the human body can take. Oh, it's I mean, incredible. I've if heard you stop, stories if you of, stop. No, if you I mean, stop. I mean, tolerate. Is Yo, what I yeah, mean. no, like, amazing. It's amazing. I, I could never do that. I no, mean, I, people say you get used to it. I don't know if I could get past death to get used to that. At That's this a age lot. right now, I'm 69. I'm older than anybody who's ever lived in my family. Everybody in my family is death of cirrhosis. Wow. Really? Yeah, alcohol doesn't run in my family at gallops. <laughs> I mean, That's every, tight, everybody is dead from cirrhosis. Everybody. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, Wait, so did you had you been going to the Keys like your whole life, or were you? Uh, did you just go down there? No, I was going with this other chick at the time. She was a real bright chick. She had two master's degrees and a doctorate. You know, she was twenty years younger than me, and a real good Irish Catholic girl. So she had to get out of town, sort of, from New York because I was divorced. Right, I was. Which in the Irish Catholics don't even look at it like. Anyway, it's a long story, which I can't make short because I'm fucking Irish and that's the way it is. Yeah. So anyway, we ended up going. I wanted to go as far away from New York as I could. Gotcha. So I went to Key West. Gotcha. I was down there. I bought a sailboat, terrorized the canals for a couple of Did couple you know of, how to no, sail? No, not a fucking <laughs> clue. Not a fucking <laughs> clue. Get all sequins out there. <laughs> Boats are tough. I went to the library, started getting by terminology, just had to learn the, the terms. The, the, Say shit to people. Were no, you, so you knew what the fuck you were talking about when it says go up to the, you know, take a. Were you living on the boat? No, no, okay. no. I had a place out right by the Keys. Anyway, I was getting drunk. I was drinking a quart and a half a day. Scotch, yeah. a day. Yeah. And uh, finally I realized I was fucking killing myself, you know. And after 9-11, I said, fuck this. I'm, you know, I went up to 9-11 to work a couple of days on a dig. And uh, let me tell you, I was in Nam, man. And uh, let's, all right, let's Nam do this. Nam was nothing compared yeah. to 9-11. Anyway, that's what my second book is about. It's called The Mick. It's about a crazy Bronx Irish Dumb firefighter. D-A. D-A, Mick. The guy's name is Mick Mullen. He's a crazy Irish drunken firefighter who I know well. And uh, it's a love story, actually. It's a guy who's torn between an Australian hooker and a, and a chick that he's got everything in common with and shares his culture. It's Hold on a second. A is, lot of men have had, right? The, this no, is you fiction? fall in love with the best piece of ass you ever had in your life when you fall in love with a chick who you could fall in love with. It's like a dilemma, you know? It's a, I made a lot of mistakes. Sure. <laughs> we all made a lot of mistakes. Is this fiction? Yeah. Well, okay, so the first one's autobiographical and this one's fiction? Yes, exactly. Okay. Actually, I'll tell you a quick story about this. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be sure quick. sure it's going to be quick. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be lightning. This was a script. I wrote a script. This is good advice, man, for your guys and for guys in the, in the movie business or whatever. I don't want to drop this guy's name, but this guy's got 11 Emmys, right? He's What's his name? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> He's a producer in Hollywood, right? The, the guy produced, produced Murphy Brown. He used to produce Don Rickles. He's got a show now, Boy Meets Girl. Great guy, sweetheart. Only met him twice in my life. Reads everything I write. Gave me some great advice. I gave him a script. This thing as a script. It's got a good character rock and make a good movie. The guy's an atheist, comes comes to God at 9-11, right? It's got a, you know, like like the Godfather. One of the reasons the Godfather is a great movie, it's the perfect character rock, right? Like it starts with Pacino saying, that's not me, Kate. Mm-hmm. That's my father. That's not me. And then he becomes his father. Right. right? So he's got a great character arc. This guy's an atheist. It turns to God. Anyway, I bring the script to this guy. 
And he's fucking, you know, looks like the... Looks like the Oval Office, you know, mahogany desk, the hundred secretaries, the whole deal. Comes in, all right, give me the pitch. I give him the pitch. He says, eh, you know, he listens to it. He says, listen to me. Give me, I'll read it. He read it. He said, great, for your first effort, remarkable. He said, need some tightening up? Which script doesn't? He says, now let me tell you something. He says, forget about scripts. Forget about scripts. He says, who are you? You're Billy O'Connell. Who's going to give you $45, $50 million to make a movie? What are you, out of your mind? He says, that don't happen. He says, forget about scripts. He says, if it's any good, Spielberg will steal it. Disney will steal it. They'll tie you up in court for 10 years, and you'll take what they give you. And you ain't got 10 years, which I'm saying. You literally don't have 10 years. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have 10 years 10 years ago. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Most guys my age are dead now. That's right. That scotch is over in the corner like, I can't believe he's still hanging on. (laughs) Yeah, it tried. It tried. But with my help and my enthusiasm. So anyway, he told me, write a book. If it sells as a book, they smell money. Then Go you got then sure. you got a script. And right? how long? The, when did you that put the book out? Book. Just like it's only been out a month. Oh wow, fantastic! That's man. right. You hadn't quite released it yet, right? Yeah, With Phoenix, you were just been about out, to. Been out a month. Yeah, yeah, all right. But selling, you know, it's uh, not as fast as I like because nothing happens as fast as you like. Yeah. But the people who read my first book. I got a certain style. I write concise. You know what I mean? You never say in four words what you could say in two. You yeah. Don't waste the reader's time. Like I told you, I'm not a good writer. When it comes to storytelling, it's a whole different ball. <laughs> yeah, I got so sick of looking at this book and editing it, I actually thumbtacked each page up to the wall and looked at each sentence through binoculars to make sure I could take every fucking sentence and make it as tight as I could. Eliminate Just pull the all adverbs, the fat. Pull up adverbs, adjectives. If you use an adverb, it means you use the wrong verb. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you say ate quickly, well, you used the wrong verb. You should have said gobbled. Yeah. Anytime you use an adverb, you fucked up. You're missing an opportunity to get an explosive verb. Verb is Latin for, is for word. That's, that's the engine that drives the sentence. Do you know Brett Ernst? Uh, I've heard of I him. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're his father. They need, <laughs> they need to sit he down. He is Brett Ernst. For real. He, I mean, <laughs> you, have a you long and Brett, whoo. <laughs> you guys are very similar, except he's Italian. Yeah. I get along good with the Guineas. That's why yeah. I get along good so with yeah. Verzi. Yeah. I'm a Mick from the Bronx. Yeah. First time I met Verzi, 
He said, Guinea from Westchester. Yeah. I, I was married you to You were a, hanging I, out with Simone the other night till 2.30 oh, in the morning. He's a, he's yeah, a sweetheart. He, he is. He, that yeah. guy's just a sweetheart. He he's is. like, uh, he couldn't have been nicer. You know, he read my book, my first book, and said, man, this blew me away. He said, you know, uh, want to reach your mind if I shop it? I said, shop it. Are you kidding me? Fucking, I'll blow you if you shop it. Plus, <laughs> you're, plus you're in. I said, what are you kidding? If anything happens, you get a slice. <laughs> yeah. I know how to do the right thing. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course, shop it. Yeah. Fucking ain't doing me no good. I sold maybe 5,000 copies, which ain't bad for a guy who nobody knows and self-promoted himself. For sure. But, but, it's a good book, man. Yeah. I mean, I know it's good because I've been told by people that know that it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you first show your prick, you know, you want to show it hard. Granted. <laughs> or, you, or you just want to scream. You know? <laughs> or it's great. But when you pull it out, you don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get. You don't know if the chick's going to go, wow, oh, oh my God. Like, what the fuck do I got here, right? You know, uh, so, you know, you want to show your best. So you're always nervous when you first put out a book. It's like comedy, I guess, when you yeah. first get on oh, stage, yeah. you know. You want to- awesome, man. Well, let's, why don't we go back to the beginning and start there because you're from the Bronx. Yeah. In I, the 50s. The 50s, yeah. Is that now, I, I don't be, mean to be cliche, but Bronx Tale, I love the movie. Great was movie. that Was that during that era? Was that 50s? Yeah. Or a little later, 60s? That's, no, it's about, that's the 50s. That's the 50s. So that's, a little later, maybe yeah, late, 50s, late 50s, early 60s. Definitely. Sorry. <laughs> late 50s, early 60s, for okay. sure. That's filmed on Arthur Avenue. And is that that you were born in? What year were you born? What forty eight? I was born in forty eight in County Cork, Ireland. We came. I came to this country by boat. Oh, you were born in Ireland. Yeah. Came here by boat through Ellis Island. Wow. Yeah, my wife's born in the Bronx. Get out of here. Yeah, she lived there till she was three. That's where her whole family's from. And from around Throgs Neck. Uh, yeah, that whole area. I mean, I don't know exactly what areas. Her mom was from Throgs Neck. They lived in Riverdale, so. My my thing about growing up in the Bronx in the fifties was that uh, it's difficult for you guys to imagine what a different world it was. It's like going back and going back in, in the past, you know. In the fifties, it's like you need a passport to get to the fifties. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like it's that far in the past. You mean kids singing fucking doo wop in a in a candy store doorway were considered juvenile delinquents? Like you know, it was yeah. like. Uh, what are we going to do about these crazy kids? Like, you know, like what yeah, the fuck? It was a whole new world. Then, of course, when heroin started flooding the neighborhood and all that shit. Then they're like, oh, that's cool with the singing. <laughs> <laughs> no more singing. Y'all doing that around a fire, bro? All right. <laughs> exactly. That's cool with the singing. No more singing. No more stickball. No more of that shit. Nobody care about girls. Just let's get it. That high. is funny that stickball and stuff like that was looked at as like trouble back then, you know, playing yeah, out in the street or something. We used to throw the bats under the cars when the cops came because they take your bats, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bullshit like yeah, that. Yeah. And pot, of course. The first time I tried pot, I was like 16. Well, hold on a second. How old were you when you came to the States? Two years old. And how many brothers and sisters did you Just come one. with? Just one. And your parents, mom and dad? All dead. I understand that, but did yeah, they, they just you just drifted well, on a boat man, over here? No, who came over? Right? Let me just get the story, a, and then I'm going to let you, you go what, off Jay? on, a, on a tangent. That is a good story. All right, well, hold on. Man. Let me ask one question, and then I'll let you get go. your tangent. The four of you came over, you, brother, mom, dad? My mother and me and my brother came. My father came first. He was. He, was he a, came over, set everything up. Then you guys came well, over. How long after? He set it up. He did the best he could. He was a hurling player. You know what hurling is? Hurling yes. is an Irish game. You know My hurling. buddy's dad was a hurling player from Ireland, and I think he had his ear ripped off because the ball what travels at like exactly. 100. You have this. You explain. It's got like this high long. Eye. No, it's got this giant, it's, huge like it's like playing stick, but it's it's, it's like playing whip field, a fucking ball. It's out like of playing it. field hockey with a hard ball, with a baseball, and you throw it through the air, and nobody wears like any cricket? equipment. 
No, it goes through the air. They can hit it in the air. They can juggle. Did you ever see Jackass? They did one where Johnny Knoxville oh, and the other guy had the four yeah. hucked at him. They're one like of the fastest games you ever seen in your life. 130 miles. I mean, you can. It's oh. danger. He had his ear ripped off. Yeah. Bill McKay called it 45 minutes of controlled mayhem, and that's pretty much what it, it is. It's like it's like hockey, only they're on their feet. You know. Yeah. It's cool. It's, my, my old man was a hurling player, a real good one, mm-hmm. and he came over here and they they set him up at a job, so he could play hurling. And then he sent for us. He was okay. working for a famous ice skater who you wouldn't remember, but she made movies back in the 40s, Sonia Henney. Okay. So You're did you guys have money? This right now. <laughs> Sonia Henney! Sonia! Do triple lutz in here, girl. Hey, Sonia! What are you doing here? All right, so now Come all in. four of you are here. Were you guys living in like a one-bedroom apartment? I mean, no, how bedrooms. poor were you? Two bedrooms. You're right. Oh, third, so you were rich. Two bedrooms. You're right. Third floor walk-up. I was yeah. rich. Yeah. But we, man, you don't know you were poor when you grew up in the city. The thing was, you went downstairs every day. You were in a tenement. And you got 40 kids to play with your age. You don't have to get into a fucking car and get driven any place. You right. might know my father-in-law's dad. He owned a, he had a toy store in the Bronx. He had a toy store. I mean, I can find out. I mean, do you remember any toy store? Honings. Honings was a big toy store in the Bronx. It wasn't big. I mean, he went out of business and they were poor. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, yeah, five it was toys. a Toys R Us. Did he own that? Five it, wasn't, it, wasn't, look, it wasn't like my prick. It's like my prick. It was not big, but it works. You yeah, know, it yeah. still works. So it, he made it anyway. So anyway, it was a different era. Growing up in the Bronx was a different time then, you know. And then when the drugs started coming in the neighborhood, I cleverly said, well, fuck this, man. Everybody started to shoot heroin. I was smoking weed, doing some hash, some masculine, some acid, like every other human <laughs> yeah, behavior. Sure. Yeah, just basic <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing crazy. Basic drug use. You know. Uh, but when, he, when, the, when the heroin started coming, I said, you know what? I'm joining the fucking service. I don't give a fuck if there's a war on because uh, my old man's crazy. He's beating the shit out of me every night, and I can't fight him, so I might as well go over there. There's the, no what, way to get out. That's the only way out. It's the me, service. Yeah, I'm joining his fucking service. So At how, what age? 18. Did a lot of people in the neighborhoods do that? Yeah. A lot of guys went so you because joined, they were patriotic. You were, and some were drafted, obviously, Yeah, too, some were drafted. You just some decided joined. to go. I just wanted he to go wasn't because... good enough to get drafted, so he, uh, <laughs> he signed up. Exactly. Wait, where was your mom at that point? My mom was at home with my okay. old man. But my old man was a drunk and he was a pain in the ass. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to get away from there as fast as possible. At least yeah. with the Vietnamese, I had a chance to shoot back, you know, fight back. You know, with this guy, <laughs> totally. this fucking lunatic, I got no shot, you know. But anyway, I, I, besides that, I figured, what's the odds that there's any drugs in Vietnam, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, what are the odds? <laughs> let, me get away, let me get away from the drugs. I mean, nobody could be doing drugs in Vietnam, right? Yeah. Fucking Vietnam was, a, oh, it was like, I could get a, a shopping bag full of weed. Uh-huh. Laotian, good Laotian weed, like $2.50. Laotian, man. We've talked about Laotian. Laotian weed, really. Laotian. The deal. Yeah, like Thai sticks were good, but you could get Thai sticks for 20 bucks for a pound of Thai sticks back in 1969. <sighs> you could get cigarettes. They take the cigarette tobacco out of your cigarettes and repack it with weed, put the, the wrapper back on, even the plastic, and sell it to you for 2 bucks so you could smoke while you were working. You what do you mean? You well, you're in, like in you the was, service. Yeah, like you had a cigarette in your mouth, but you were smoking joint. Wow. And guys were smoking a pack and a half a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, there was, some, there was some heavy hitters over yeah. there. I was, smoking, <laughs> I was smoking about eight joints a day, and I was twisted. I mean, I was, you know, the girls. The no wonder we lost the war. That's, no, how yeah, they, exactly. that's what they did. They just pumped the full oh, weed. Oof, slowed oh, man, down. I was smoking opium once a week with this Papa Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. So if you, you have you smoked that? Yeah, well, I smoked it with Papa Sun down there. Down there and it was 25 cents. This guy told me about it, but, which is a great story, by the way. You know, you know, in the 60s, they always say, hey, you hip, man. Hey, man, you hip. Yeah. You know where that came from? 
when back in the turn of the century, you smoked opium, you smoked it in the cellar because it has to be cool. You can't be around the sun. I found out that the hard way one time walking on a trail. That's another story. Because but because the you, opium needs to be cool, you or gotta you need cool to be cool in an environment where you smoke opium. Because you got to dream, you got to lie down, you got to be relaxed. You can't have heat, you can't have pressure. You know, it's gotcha. like so hip. They used to go down to cellars in San Francisco and New York to smoke opium, opium dabs. Yeah. When you smoke opium, you roll over on your hip. So oh. they'd say, are you hip? Do you oh, get okay. high? Yeah. Are you hip? That's so are you from. hip meant do you yeah, smoke do you, heroin? Do you smoke uh, opium? I mean opium. Yeah, it means Sorry. you got over on your hip. You smoke. It meant you, you uh, get high. Let me tell you something. Back in 64, when I first started smoking weed, it was a very clandestine thing. Like if I met you two guys for the first time, I'd say like... Uh, you know, we'd be talking for about a half an hour, so I get a feeling. I might say, "You ahead, man?" You know, and the guy, "Yeah, yeah, I'm ahead." Like it was still, yeah, it was still doing secret handshakes. For you know sure. what I mean? It, yeah, was, yeah. it wasn't the musicians did it, and uh, you know, I wasn't in the comedy world, so I don't know. But you know, just I, well, it was a big deal when I first tried it. You know, for me, it was sixteen. Yeah, but it soon became <laughs> a drug yeah, of right. choice. Yeah, and, for sure. And mescaline, mescaline was big. But when the heroin hit, I got the fuck out of there. I went over the over the knob. And over there, it was like fucking weird. There was drugs everywhere. I went to a drugstore. I'd get like 20 quaaludes, a bottle of cough medicine, codeine. and uh, Yeah, whatever. Get anything I wanted, yeah. How long were you there? A year. Just one tour? Yeah, but like I had a different experience than that. Like, you know, I, look, I don't want to take a bow for Vietnam. I mean, like I went. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, I saw the bodies. I saw we were, we were in, a, in a base on the Mekong River called the Kampanam. Bob Hope called it the armpit of the world, right? When yeah. he went over there. Yeah. He said, this place is the armpit of the world. And he was right. But uh, so we had what they had there, the support guys in Vietnam. They had the Jolly Green Giants, the choppers that went in, got the bodies and picked up the troops, you know, like that kind mm-hmm. of deal. So uh, so I saw a lot of bodies come back and it didn't affect me until many, many, many years later. Later, It really affected me. But yeah. I had, fuck, I was in an air-conditioned building. I was a computer operator. I was downtown. I was playing poker once a month. I was cleaning everybody out. I had more money than Frank Sinatra. I was fucking, <laughs> <laughs> I was downstairs, run, downtown, running the whole house. Yeah, that whole was oh, good to you. Man, I, was, I, was, yeah, I was sorry to see it end outside the body. <laughs> I was making fucking 3000 a month playing poker. I was fucking fucking everything in sight. Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, women were $4 a piece, man. Here I am, a recovering Catholic, right? Recovering Catholic. I'm 19 years old. My testosterone is through the fucking roof. Yeah. And prostitutes are $4 a piece. That's unbelievable. That's not buying sex. That's a scholarship, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fucking three women a day. I mean, it's something you walk into a fucking saloon, there'd be like 100 women dancing with numbers on their back. I'm talking about beautiful. Numbers. Numbers. I'm talking about beautiful women. You know, That's 19, insane. 20, long black hair, great bodies. And you're 19, 20 years old, and they got a board up there, electronic board, one through 100. Wow. Say, Mama son, I like number 17, number 21, and number four, $12. And you walk out with three checks. Did you ever get an STD? <laughs> Did I ever get STD? Yeah. I have I have my own coffee mug over at the infirmary. <laughs> The guys over there thought I worked there. The doctors, the doctors thought I fucking worked there. Are you kidding me? I had to clap so many fucking times. And what did they give you then? Just penicillin. Penicillin. That's yeah, it. They gave me penicillin. Let me just turn this fucking thing off. Who's breaking my balls? But they have penicillin. But let me tell you something. Yeah, but, like, we were at the movies the other night. Me and Kate and a couple ringers went off. And you can always tell an old person by their ringer. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so loud, and it's like some programmed ring. Fuck Everyone you. else is just like, everyone under 50 just has it on vibrate. Me but these too. guys are I'm like, I'm always on vibrate. 
fuck, like, hey, you're dead fucking right, man. Dead fucking right. And fuck you. Between the rock bands and the joints that I had, I had a couple of joints, the fucking rock bands, and then fire engines and the noises yeah, from sirens. Yeah, I forgot about the fire I'm engines. I'm deaf as a fuck, Yeah, man. we got to get into that, too. I'm yeah. deaf as a fuck. But I can still see in my plumbing work, so who gives a fuck about yeah. everything else? You know, what else you know what else probably affects your hearing is the those ACs back then in Vietnam. It's been so loud. <laughs> You know what I mean? Sitting like, right geez. up on top of it. Just that window, you know. Man. <laughs> hey, look. Vietnam was tough for a lot of people. Lot of hey, look. That's right. Listen, hey. They don't give out, they don't give out the purple hearts for clap. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is a damn shame. Or else you would have had a few. I went out about five of them. Let me tell you something. The only thing about the clap is, and this is the truth, it ain't bad getting rid of it, but it leaves scars in your urinary tract. I didn't know that. I didn't either, though, but when I go to take a piss, if there's three urinals, I aim at the one on the left, <laughs> I piss in the one in the middle, and I flush the one on the right. I got no fucking idea. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck it's going. Oh, it looks like I was circumcised with a pair of hedge clippers. <laughs> That's amazing. So I want to talk more about the gambling that you were doing in the service because you told me how – you explained how you would get the money, then you'd go down, you'd win more – you'd take their money. Explain it. Well, you got, I always you made like money a per diem cost. or what, what is it called in the service? Yeah, they give you uh, – well, uh, they give you a foreign, foreign service pay. Like they give you uh, combat pay. Combat pay, okay. They give you combat pay if you're in a combat zone, you know, so you make more money. And guys, hey. So even though you're not – officially at combat since you're in that zone you get that pay i was inside an air force base right seven thousand guys in this air force base with with about 300 yards of clearing all the way around it completely around it's m60 machine guns on they replaced helicopters it was a vital base yeah you know protected by mp did you live on that base yeah Yeah. i was technically i stayed there right but you live there you didn't have to commute in and out of there no, right. I lived on the base, right, like all the GIs did. However, like a lot of GIs were fucking around downtown with broads, so they stayed there. They called them T-Lots, Sweethearts, you know. And then I, I, I had an incident where I rescued a kid's life. I tried to rescue a kid's life. I didn't succeed. But uh, What happened? It was a guy. Was kid was drowning. He was a Thai kid. And I was stoned out of my fucking mind on the Mekong River. But I saw this kid start to drown, and nobody was doing nothing. So I jumped in the water. And I swam out to, you know, to help him. Are there but, gators or anything in that water? No, but Mekong is really eclectic with amazing fish because it dumps into the South China Sea. It's called the Mekong. It's the mother of all rivers. But uh, an angry river when it's when it rapids. When it's, so I try to save this guy anyway. Make a long story short, he dies. Find him. About, he just went under. You couldn't I, get him? Third time, I lost him. Now I can't get back. Now right, I'm yeah. fucked. Now I'm going down. Now I'm starting to have trouble, you know, and I'm panicking. Uh and I got a couple of American guys on the on the shore. And they ain't doing shit. And I'm like, you know, they're saying swim. So swim my ass. Jump, no, in, the, <laughs> jump in the fucking water. You know, I got swim. that figured out. You know, I know I'm supposed to swim. You know, that that I got, you know. Meanwhile, I'm going down. I'm fucking, you know. And, and what happened was a boat. Somebody had saw me and come from the other side. And just I felt the hand just show me. Saved my life, man. I was, on, I was unconscious for about 30 minutes on the shore. But anyway, these Thai kids saw that. And I went after a Thai kid. So with the Thai Air Force, I was like, God, they love me. Oh, wow. They could, it was like tantamount to like uh, Simon Legree going to rescue a black slave. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that was the, the mentality, the head mentality. It was Maybe that's a bit of an, uh, an exaggeration for, for a metaphor, but nevertheless, it was to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they f- treated me like gold. So I could come and go whenever I want. I just jump in the back of the Thai Air Force trucks. And we weren't allowed <laughs> to check. We weren't allowed mm-hmm. to check the Thai you Air Force trucks. You were the only one? Well, yeah, because they loved yeah, me. I was a right, good, yeah. good guy. I had a good, you know, vibe with them. So I used to bring drugs in and everything into the, into the, into the camp. But it, it, pot was everywhere. 
that wasn't even a drug. Cough medicine everywhere. Uh, quaaludes, tunols. Uh, you could get any of that. And heroin. Plenty of heroin. Really? But I didn't, but I didn't fuck with the heroin. But and everyone's shooting it? I didn't hang around with guys that do heroin. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the thing about heroin is it's a very exclusive club, you know, inclusive <laughs> club, you know? Yeah, man. When you shoot heroin, it's not like, let's go down to a museum and look at some fucking paintings and then we'll go to a movie and then I'm going to go home and shoot heroin. You know? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All that shit sort of gets pushed aside, you know? Totally. Yeah, so like if you're nice, so I don't hang out with heroin. So I, I don't know how bad they were shooting, but there was a lot of heroin over there. I thought about getting the fucking, I had a, cause I had a lot of money for playing cards. I had about 80 grand. Which at that time was a lot of money. Well, I mean, it's a lot of money now. I could have took eighty grand and bought pure heroin. I had the connection. I could have did it. Yeah. And I wasn't even worried about it. I said I could put it in. Uh, they give you one trunk to send back, and uh, one footlocker, and you got to ship it. Interestingly enough, on uh, uh, Air, what do they call it? Air Free Amer- Air America, Air America, and she, that was owned by Lady Bird Johnson, by the way. She owned the whole fleet of aircraft that, were, that I had our contract for sending back. Oh wow! So anyway. I figured maybe I send back one thing of pure heroin. But now the thought comes to me, what if I get through? What if it gets through and I don't do 15 years at Leavenworth? If it does get through, what do I do with it together? Right. I'm a 22-year-old kid with maybe a million dollars worth of heroin? Like, you know, yeah. hey, anybody want to give me a million dollars for this heroin? They're going to hand it to you and then kill you. Yeah, put two in my ear. That's I mean, right. What the fuck? I'm yeah. out of my mind. What am I going to do with a million dollars worth of fucking heroin? I don't know anybody you know does that shit. Yeah. I mean, I was a half-assed wise guy, but not a wise guy, but I wasn't. I dealt with wise guys, but not, you know, I couldn't have fucking At that level, yeah. I've been on my mind. Anyway, that's another story. What else we got? Vietnam, what else you want to know about? The gambling. So you end up getting into being a bookie. Yeah. What happened was, I always was a good card player. Then I started reading books. What's your card game? Uh, I, well, we used to play Seven, seven Stub was the game then. Okay. Before Hold'em. Before you know, Hold'em. Seven Stub yeah. was the big thing. And uh, and draw poker, too. Draw No Limit was the okay. big game. So, uh, but I was a good card player always. You know, I read books about it, wanted to get better, liked it, liked the juice. But uh, then I got into betting sports, you know. And that was, of course, that's 10%. You can't beat 10%. No matter what you do, I don't give a shit. If I give you. Explain that. Explain that. Well, you get this juice, you know, like, and this is back when the Guineas had it. Now, this is when they gave you a fair shake. I mean, when the Italians had bookmaking, at least they only charged you 10%, which you still couldn't win, but at least they were greasing the pants so the cookies didn't stick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When the, <laughs> these MIT boys, these MIT boys are doing it now, they're taking 25%, 30%, 125 to win 100, 130 to win 100. They must just put a gun to your head. Yeah. It's like stealing. But, you know, you can't beat these MIT boys. You know, you ain't happening. So even back in the day, I used to go to Vegas and count cards, play blackjack. How how did you do it? It's not that hard. Single plus, deck? Well, you can use three or four decks. It you don't did, matter. But did you? Yeah, I yeah. could count four decks, yeah. But I used to actually taught my girlfriend how to do it, too. So she'd sit at a different table and count. And then when we had a hard thing, she'd give me a signal. I, I knew the deck was hot, you know? So What's that mean? Explain that. Well, it's going to have tons of face cards. Exactly. Face out. cards are coming okay. out. You work on a plus and minus system, and it ain't that hard. The big key to counting cards is, and this is the secret, you don't count every card. You wait until you see your hands. And the reason is this. Tens, aces, right? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All tens and all aces. They count as plus one. And by tens, you mean tens, jack, queens, kings. Exactly. Anything that's worth ten or an ace, that's a plus one. Okay. Anything seven, eights, and nines, you ignore completely. They don't mean anything. And then one, two to six, that's minus one. Mm-hmm. So you go on a plus and minus basis. But here's the key to it, which makes it easy. Is so if you're halfway through a round and you're, you're high in the minus, that's about to turn hot because you got tens You know this picture card's coming. Yeah. Now, the thing is, you have the same chance of hitting blackjack as he does. He's got as good a chance of hitting blackjack as you do, but you're getting paid 3 to 2 for it. Yeah. So you have an edge if it does come up to blackjack. And the other thing is, if he happens to flop a 6, you know that his whole card's a, a pitcher card, and you know there's more Another pitcher cards common. coming. Right. Yeah. So it's a big edge. But, but it's not as big an edge as what they did. So what you do is on that plus and minus system, you ignore seven eights and 9s, minus is anything from 2 to 6. The pitcher card's a plus, right? So say you're plus five or something like that. But here's the key. If I turn in cards and I turn over to you and I turn a king and a four, you got two pitcher cards. He's got an eight and a nine. Well, eight and nine don't count. You got two pitcher cards. That's plus two. And you got a king and a four. Mm-hmm. That wipes each other out. Mm-hmm. So I got plus two. Mm-hmm. It's easy when you wait until all the cards are out because most of them cancel each other out. Right. You don't that's, do that's, it on a card by yeah. card basis. Yeah, right. Because if I look down at you and you got like See, a, I didn't know that. You got a two and a jack. You got a two and a jack. Well, you don't count. I don't have to count that. You yeah. just neutralize each other, right? Yeah. So it just makes sense. You know. So that's how you count. But you count even with four decks. You can estimate. You can you, you're guesstimating. But here's what they did. They took a little rule called dealer must hit soft seventeen. What used to be if a dealer. I mean, dealer must stand with all 17. Yes. If a dealer had an ace and a six, he had to stand. Gotcha. He had 17. Now, he must hit 70, which is a 5% edge towards the house. Because he can flop a two, a three, or a four and crush you. Mm-hmm. And if he hits a pitcher card, chances are he's going to have 17 anyways. That's what he's going to hit. So it's a huge edge for the house. And they do that all through Vegas now and all through Atlantic City. The only place you can get a fair shake is the islands. But these are the MIT boys. Again, they make subtle changes and they fucking, you know, you can't beat these guys. But they said with the Guineas, you know, they, they grease the pan. You, they'd still win. Yeah. I never went and gave them a beating. But, I mean, I used to go there and hold my own. I, what, was your best, what was your best day? Playing blackjack? No. Oh, best for game gambling? Yeah. Uh, 34, Sports. 34, Sports. Maybe 34,000. Football? Yeah, but I was yeah. bookmaking then, you know. So 34,000. I bet 34,000 on the game besides. Uh, That's the most you've ever put on one game? Yeah. 34. What game was it? San Francisco. San Francisco and the Giants. And who was quarterbacking? <laughs> I know you didn't remember. I remember enough of it. Montana. And who for the Giants then? Sims? Yeah. Sims, yeah. And you put 34 on that? I lost it. You did. 
<laughs> oh, I've been, I've been on the wrong side of so many games, man. I was at, I was at the <laughs> Reggie, Reggie Jackson hit the three homers. I was at that game at Yankee Stadium, and I bet the Dodgers. <laughs> Wait, oh weren't you in the stands for the Maris home run? Yeah, I was twelve. Tell that story. And you know what? It's odd because I maybe I've only been to. 100. I saw that on social media, and I, I, I meant to ask you. I'm so glad you. Said, I would have forgot. Maybe I've been to hundred baseball games in my life, right? Maybe because mm-hmm. I'm not a, a nut baseball fan. But when I was twelve years old. Maris had sixty homers. And a friend of mine was a big Yankee fan. We were 12 years old. And he said, you know what? I know a cop at the gate. Let's go down the Yankee game. I says, cool. We took the thing. I'm sitting in the right field bleachers. He goes, this is where Maris usually hits his home run. Sure enough, Maris pops his 61st home run. Three rows in front Amazing. of me. Right? 12 years old. Like, <laughs> and the ball was worth five grand, which back in 61 was five grand. That was a <laughs> lot of money. <laughs> that was like a lot of money. Yeah. So uh, the guy who caught the ball, his name was Sal Durante. Don't forget it. You ain't gonna believe this right now. It's the Ain't that ball in here, man? What do you hear, Sal? What do you say? Yeah. So Sal Durante caught the ball. I swear to God, as soon as he caught it, as soon as he caught it, a big black guy. About well, in my mind, I was a little kid, so he looked like a big black guy. Let's put it this way: a black guy just decked him, just shot him a straight right. Right in his fucking face. And he, he was going down. The guy was just trying to jaw yeah, the ball. Five grand, you know. Five grand, you know. So he hit he hit him, and he was going down. But there was security everywhere. I mean, like, because they were they ready were for that home it, run. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they just about carried him to the clubhouse. You won't hear that in any paper. I yeah, guarantee right. you. But I was there, and I saw it. And... Wow. uh you're in the picture I saw yeah, when he's yeah, rounding I'm, third kid, is it yeah, yeah, yeah. or I'm, first they, Where go are to, you? they go up to the right field stands it's right by the yeah. first girder I'm like oh, I'm 12 yeah, years old in a sports time. coat because in them days I you know, dressed up, up to go to the ball you game did. you time. dressed up to get on a fucking plane yeah. like you know I put on a fucking sports coat I was going to the Yankee game you know yeah. matter of fact it might have been after church even I yeah. think it was coming from church on a Sunday afternoon yeah well, so in, in, in uh, Baltimore, the Colts used to play at 2 o'clock. They were the only team in the NFL that played at 2 because it was such a um, Catholic area that they would go to Mass and they, couldn't have time, they wouldn't have time to get to the game. So they moved that game to 2 o'clock and they would go to Mass and then make the 2. That's so fucking fascinating. You grew up with those with the cult teams on the Rosenberg. You remind right? me of Art Donovan. On the Rosenberg, you really right? do. He's a Bronx guy. Oh, Art Donovan. Yeah, yeah, you remind me of him for yeah. sure. That's, that's a compliment. Artie Donovan. Take, it I is take, a compliment. Yeah, I used to see him at the University of Florida. They have a book called Sundays at Two O'Clock. I've read, and that's why they I used to it. see him walking in Florida all the time around. The, yeah. walking around the, uh, the track. A real nice guy. Fucking calves like uh, like candles. <laughs> yeah. You, know? well, mate, yeah. you want to see him face to face? I tell you the story. I tell you how your fucking mind makes a date that your body can't keep, right? I'm fucking jogging. My idea of jogging. This is when I'm at the University of Florida because I'm thinking, oh, Donovan, I'm walking around the track. It reminds me. And I'm going over there to jog. Right? How old are you? 63, <laughs> okay. maybe at the time. Yeah. Now, my idea of jogging, it looks like I got a BB up my ass <laughs> and I don't want it to come out and I'm trying to find an outhouse, yeah. right? I mean, uh-huh. I'm fucking taking it easy. Because I, you know, I'm no fucking jerk, and I, I go around maybe twice. I'm starting to feel looser. So you know what, man? I used to be pretty fucking fast, you know. I, said, I, wonder, you know, I haven't ran full out like full 30, out. 35 years. Thirty five years. I said, let me let me give it a home run competition. Yeah. I said, right let me here. let me give this a shot. Here's a straightaway. I'm going to see what I got. So I start running. Right now, in my mind, I'm fucking churning. <laughs> out of my peripheral vision, I see this black guy. Starting to pull into my vision. Obviously, a world class athlete. Right? World guy, class. No, my kid, this guy's got muscles in his hair, yeah. right? 
And he's he's coming by me, but he ain't blowing me out like you know. And I'm yeah. saying to myself, motherfucker, you know, like I'm fucking flying, <laughs> right? Because I can see this guy straining. Now he goes Straight. a little further, and I see he's got a harness. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still running full out, and now he gets a little further, and the harness is hooked up to a dog sled <laughs> with about 500 fucking pounds. <laughs> On the fucking, on the fucking dog, and he's still beating me, and he's still beating me. I mean, how old was the guy? A fucking young kid. He was like, yeah, he was fucking good about himself for just a minute. He's like, God, I always pulled a trailer. That hard on went like this, you know. And the fucking. I'm not gonna say there was a parachute back there. I see those guys do that shit. And and the saddest thing was, I realized then that the fastest way for me to get to the end of that track would have been to jump on the back of his sled. That's the real kick in the ass. It helped that guy out, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, so God. I mean, with delusion. You get old, you get delusion. That I think you can do so it. You fun. still can just. That's. Um, hold on a sec. So I want to. We never really talked about you running a book. Like, where were you, like, how were people putting their bets in with you? Here's how were you how taking happened. them? This is in the old days. This is the way we used to do it. In the new days, everything's offshore now. Everything's offshore. Uh, because they charge you like $15 a customer per week. And they do all the paperwork, they answer the phones. They do all the fucking... Oh, they just, just do f- it online. Yeah, exactly. But that's all going offshore. What yeah. you're doing online is going offshore. Everything's going offshore. In my day, we used to answer the phones. And we had rollover phones. So we'd have like uh, three guys writing tickets, rollover phones. You call one number, and if that one's busy, you jump over to another one. And we were writing maybe 300 tickets, 330 tickets. A we day? To, uh, no, on a, a Sunday, on a good Sunday. Oh, okay. From like around the country or just local? New York, all New York. Because yeah. you got to collect. Yeah. Bookmaking's easy. Winning is no problem. You're going to win. If you're bookmaking, you're going to win. Collecting's tough. Collecting. You didn't win nothing <laughs> until you collect. Right, yeah. And then if you're not a wise guy, how do you collect? Like, yeah. you know, look if I look at me. I'm 5'11", 70 years old, Irish. If I walked up to you and said, I'm going to blow your brains out if you don't pay me, you look at me and start laughing. Yeah. I'm not a tough Bring guy. Bring that curling stick, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a tough guy, right? So uh, I had to have a guy to collect. That was the hard part. But you got to be careful about, you know, here's how it works. You take the action, you get 10%. Everybody thinks that if if you bet Dallas, if Jay likes Dallas and Ryan likes the Giants, I take the two years, I lay his off against each other and I make 10 bucks. If it's a $100 bet, I make 10 bucks. If it's a $1,000 bet, I make 100 bucks. That's juice, but that's not how it works. Here's how it works. Every Sunday, there's about 12 games. Maybe seven of those games mean a lot to the bookmaker. Five of them will be like a couple of thousand dollars on each game. It don't matter. But there'll be the Sunday, Sunday afternoon game at 1 o'clock. If the Giants are playing Dallas, that's a big game. You know, like Colts playing Miami, big game, right? So you'll have that. You'll have the Sunday night game. You'll have about five games that mean a lot. Now, all you got to do as a bookmaker, because of the 10% juice, is win two of those five games. And you break even. Mm-hmm. If you win three out of those five games, you do pretty good. If you win four out of five, you crush because of the juice. So every week you're taking a shot that you're going to not lose more than two out of those five. That the, 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 the player's not going to be right three out of five times. And you'll be right maybe 85% of the season. You might, wow. you might lose two weeks. Wow. But they're going to give it back you know, because you can't beat the 10%. It's crazy. It's yeah. juice. You can't beat it. 10% is always 10%. There's no... 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, you know, pure, pure science. But anyway, so here's science. the you know, It is. Math is a pure science. So anyway, we used to write in triplet. We used to write in triplicates. Just, did you just say math is a science? Math is a pure science. It is. Pure. You're actually right. So uh, <laughs> you, we, we take like our, our tickets and write in triplicate. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the night, right, we put them in alphabetical order and divvy them up for three guys. And the three guys that go do the work in separate places. And then come back Monday and compare notes. And, if, you know, you put a master sheet down and you make sure that all the numbers check. And when the numbers don't check on one guy, you find out why. So you make sure your numbers are impeccable. Because here's the deal. If you're a bookmaker and you're a player and I make a $5,000 mistake in your favor, you ain't saying nothing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're a player. You say, fuck this guy. I've been giving this fucking guy money all fucking year. He made a $5,000 mistake. Fuck him. But if I make a $200 mistake on you, I'm going to hear about it. Yeah. So you got to make sure the work is looked up by three different people in right. three different rooms. Well, do you have any times that you, you were off and you got Oh, yeah, man. You can't believe it. You know what's really amazing is you could do the same I mean, you just sat work. here and preached about how much we got to have our numbers tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, clear, and you're not even doing that. But if I'm doing it's my numbers, I'm doing my numbers and I'm doing my work, and you could do the numbers, the, the work three times and make the same mistake on the same math problem that you've done. Just, you just go right through it. It just goes right through your head. You yeah. Know? And I'm good. Did Listen, you, you put a dollar sign in front of him. Uh, I had a couple of close calls. That's in the first book, okay. Confessions of a Bronx book. Yeah, I dealt. I went to some pretty heavyweights, man. I dealt with uh, this guy Joe Denti. Joe Denti was a producer that discovered Joe Pesci. Well, he didn't really discover Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci used to work for Joe Denti, and he was he was the biggest bookmaker in Arthur Avenue. You know, like you know, he was like the Don of Arthur Avenue. Mm-hmm. When he died, De Niro came to his uh, funeral. Pesci came to his funeral. Scorsese came to his funeral. Wow. Yeah, because Joe came out here and he became a producer. See, the problem with working for Joe is <laughs> once you work for Joe, you always work for Joe. So Pesci was a waiter in Joe's restaurant, and he was also a runner for his bookmaking operation. So uh, when he got discovered, when he got when they did, when the Raging Bull hit Arthur Avenue, where where Bronx Tale was yeah. filmed, uh, Danny Aiello had sent De Niro. A film. It's to take a look at this, see if there's a, a piece in the, in the new movie for me, right? For Daniello. Well, De Niro was looking at it and he didn't like Daniello for, uh, Daniello for a part, but he saw Pesci in the background, a small bit part, and he said he wanted to talk to him. So this is a true story. He's sitting in a place called Michael's, which Joe Denti ran, Italian restaurant. And Joe, Dent, uh, Joe Pesci used to go around and sing, serenade. Really? People. He lived upstairs with a wife and three kids in a fucking tenement. And he was a runner. He was a, you know, for the bookmaker. Like if a bookmaker says, you know, your players lost 4000 you go out and collect the 4000 You yeah. get one bunt, 1000 I get three. I'm the bookmaker. Anyway, he was a runner. So he gets a call one night. They're sitting down before they go to, this is a true story. My, friend, my, my buddy Vinny was there. Uh, my buddy Vinny knew Pesci well. So anyway, they're, they're sitting around, Joe, Pesci, and Vinny, and uh, the phone rings. And the waiter says, uh, Joe, it's for you. So he gets up. He goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah? How about this? How about up in your mother's cunt? <laughs> How about that? How's that sound? Okay, How, Does that sound good to you? <laughs> Fuck you. And he hangs up. He sits down. He's eating spaghetti, whatever. He's with that. He's some fucking asshole, he says. Just calls me up and tells me he's Robert De Niro and he wants to put me in a fucking movie. <laughs> right? He's like, I ain't got enough fucking shit going on. He's trying to earn a buck. He says, right? I'm fucking playing guitar in this fucking shit house, right? I'm doing fucking running, and this guy wants to put me in the move. The phone comes back. Again, That's a perfect again, audition. Rings back again, picks it up. Hey, 
What are you, a fucking asshole? I'll take your cock and stick it right up your fucking ass. I'll put your motherfucker. I'll cut your fucking head off. Your, your mother's cunt. Slams it again. Now they all, hey, Joe Pesci, movie star. Hey, they're breaking his balls. Half an hour later, De Niro walks through the fucking restaurant. Wow. Says, you know, I, look, I'm Bobby De Niro. I saw you in a bit part, and I was thinking maybe you could play a bit part in my new movie. But uh, oh, Because I really like your phone work, too. <laughs> I really like what you do on the phone. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but he says, hey, buddy, I like your phone work. It's fucking good. <laughs> 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 hit me on the back end. <laughs> I like your phone work. So uh, anyway, he says, hey, Joe, sit down. Manja, manja. Now he says, I got to take you up to my nightclub. He's got a place called Hoops in New Rochelle. Three big bars in a big disco, right? Three round bars. De Niro had this? No, this guy, Joe Pesci. Oh, okay. Uh, Joe, yeah. Joe, Denti. Joe, Joe Denti. Denti yeah. Who was the, you know, the man. Right. So uh, it was called Hoops. I got to take you up there. They go up there to having a couple of drinks. De Niro is a nut for authenticity. Like he's a fucking screwball for like hands-on shit. Like for, for a Bronx tale, he went down to uh, Florida and lived with that bus driver for three weeks. To really? He kept his hands and everything on the wheel. Yeah. I mean, he's nuts for yeah. that kind of shit. Meticulous, you know, really crazy. So, uh, where was I going with this fucking story? They went up to his club. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Great. Thank you. So he's up in his club, and so De Niro turns around. He's sipping a drink, and he sees a blonde out there dancing on the disco floor. And he goes, holy shit. He goes, look at that chick. She looks just like Vicky LaMotta. She looks just like her. He says, tell her I want to buy her a drink. And she came over, and uh, she had a drink. She was 17 years old. That was Kathleen Moriarty. Oh, yeah? That's oh, how wow. she got discovered. Wow. She got a shot in fucking Raging Bull. And killed it, by the way. Yes, yeah. he did. And killed it. That's great. And that's how Pesci got to start. Now the problem is Pesci's the movie star, which is a good problem, but the bad problem is he still works for Joe. Because <laughs> yeah. you always work for Joe. It doesn't mean that... <laughs> right. He doesn't give a fuck about the movies. <laughs> You're in the movies. That's cool. But where's, where, what's, for, what's for Joe? Yeah, you know? right. So yeah. he comes out to Hollywood and he becomes a producer. If you want to put Joe Pesci in a movie, you got to put you got to see Joe. Unfortunately, he forms a production company with Walter Matthau. How did he hook that up? Walter Matthau is one of the biggest fucking gamblers in Hollywood. There you go. Always was. Oh, wow. He's quoted a lot of poker books. You can read poker. And, he's, uh, wasn't he gambling when he was oh, his character man, in Bad yeah, News Bears? He's out there gambling. Oh, I got a great Walter, I got a great Walter <laughs> Matthau story. It's a great fucking story. I read this about Matthau. It's fucking great. Tony Curtis, right? Yeah. Bernie Schwartz was his real mm-hmm. name from fucking from the Bronx. And Tony Curtis had just made some like it hot, right? So he's rolling. And he had lived with Walter Matthau. They were trying to make it together. Walter Matthau hadn't done shit. He's coming out of Grand Central Station in the fucking pouring rain. He's soaking, looking for a cab. And Tony Curtis goes by in a fucking limo, right? He tells the chauffeur, stop, stop. There's my friend Walter. He puts down the window. He goes, Walter. And Matthau goes, Tony, thank God. He's like, I just fucked Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> and he puts the window up and tells the guy, take off. <laughs> Shut up. Is that fucking great? Oh, I just man. fucked Marilyn Monroe. Put the window up. Let's get the fuck let's out, get of, out here of here. And fuck that guy, right? I mean, because that's what we do, right? I mean, you're fuck a comic. That guy. Nothing better than fucking him, right? Oh, and him fucking you. I mean, it's hilarious. the best. Yeah. The best. Busting balls, man. That's the busting balls, man. And Firehouse, when I was a fireman in the Bronx. Okay, that's what I, you just went right to where I wanted to get to. Talk to us about being a fireman in the Bronx because you, well, you were a first responder. You mean what he was just about for to do? For 9-11? Well, I'm going to. I want to keep him there. Literally goes, I want to keep him there. I want to keep uh, you there. When you're, we're talking about ball breaking. Firehouses are just like comics. One of the reasons I love comics because they break each other's fucking balls. Yeah, guys from New York, 
We like each other. We break each other's fucking balls. One of my best friends, I call him, hey, you big prick. I hope your fucking hair falls out. You know, it's one of my best friends, right? Fireman in the same way. No, I mean, my boy Ryan, whose dad was, a, a like I said, a fireman in Queens, he can t- go into any situation, talk to anybody, because he grew up in a firehouse. So, like, yeah. he was getting his busted balls, balls bro, exactly. when he, since he was, like, four years old. All the time. We had a guy, I swear to this is no bullshit. We had a guy in a firehouse. The guy cut his fucking thumb off. With the partner saw. He's venting the roof. His saw slipped and he cut off his thumb. Mm-hmm. Now, he wanted to stay on the job so bad. He could have took three quarters disability, but he loved the job so bad that he had his big toe amputated. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Shut your mouth. Transplanted to where it's stumbled. Wait, hold on. <laughs> this guy's name is Jimmy Sphinx, man. Listen to this. The guy they don't call him Jimmy Big Toe? <laughs> You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> so hold on, hold on. The guy was a bit of a hero, right? But thumb and toe. For real. Yeah, we called him Doe. That was his nickname. Doe. Everybody called him Doe. Everybody knew Doe. And we used to break his balls. We'd eat lunch. We'd go, come on, Doe, Doe. We're eating lunch here. What are you, a fucking animal? Get your foot off the fucking Shut thing. Shut up. <laughs> come on. Put a sock on that motherfucker. You're going to give us so a case of athlete's He literally sacrificed the big toe for his thumbs. Yep. So he could work. Cause the only problem I heard about him was when he was running towards a fight, he was always running right because his balance was off. So like, up. bring it back in here, Joe. A little bit of a tilt. He looked like John Wayne in the, in the searches going through that doorway for the last oh, time. You know? his hand. A little tilt. Yeah, dumb and toe, toe. I, we had, I was in a fire in, a, in, a, in the Caribbean. <laughs> Oh, they, Dude, they, keep they, your feet off the table. That <laughs> is the funniest thing. Put a, put a, so, he's probably so. Put a sock on that motherfucker. <laughs> give us all the case athlete's hand. It's <laughs> got a toenail on it, though, man. Touching oh, people's yeah. food. And it's tiny. It's not as, you know, I mean, there was some it. fucking idiot that came into the firehouse. His name was Richard, right? He says to us, so what's your name? New guy, good job. Right? He goes, Richard. He said, Richard, okay. He said, yeah, but don't call me Dick. He said, I don't like to be called Dick. Right? Yeah, Tell yeah. the fucking You're Dick, of course. <laughs> 45 years later, we still call him Cock. <laughs> His name was Cock for 40 years. That was it. Nobody knew him as anything else. That's the best. I mean, uh, I mean well, you got to be tight in the firehouse because your brother's life, is your that, life and death. But aren't you living there? What was your schedule? You're like 48. 24s, yeah. Yeah. And so like you, everybody was living there for those days, and then you had your day. And would the you best have a painting company on the side? The, the what best, did you do? The best thing, me on the side was a book. <laughs> That's what you're doing on the side? And I, was, I owned a bar. Do I own a couple of bars? Then I was I owned a oh, couple really? of clubs. Yeah, I had a couple of clubs back in the sixties. You know, I had Twisted Sister and uh Really? Yeah, bands like that. You know, I have them. You know, it was a big fucking journey. I took a shot. Yeah. Banged it out on credit cards, dude. That's all he fucking did. That's another story. And you but you made it happen. Yeah, well, I made it happen. Plus the thing was though, once it happened, I mean I'm never gonna see another dry day. I got a fucking conga line of fucking hookers coming into my apartment. I got fucking blow going up my fucking nose like a 
like I'm snorting the first baseline of uh, Yankee Stadium, you know? <laughs> so you lost all that money. How long did you have the clubs for? Uh, about 11 years. Oh, wow. Really? And I was married, time. three kids. My wife put up with it for about four years. Then and She uh, said, peace out. Peace out. Married the same woman twice. I did that. Did you? Yeah. That's drug's idea of alimony. No fucking one alimony. A drug's idea of financial planning. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, but when I saw guys that were just as fucked up as me paying two alimonies, I was thinking, hey, baby, you know, smart. Yeah. But she was stupid. She married me twice, yeah. Did you have ceremonies both times? No, the second time was just, you know, just I do, you do, we, yeah. we both do, you do, we do each other, you know. <laughs> and then I had three kids. And look, divorced, remarried, she is, you know. Yeah. So, Mother of my kids, good, good chick. What got you, so you come back from Vietnam and then went right into the fire department after, after no, gambling, I, I mean, after being a bookie? No, what happened was I came back from Nam and then uh, I got a phone call from my brother, who was uh, my son of my North Star. He was two years older than me. He was like, you know, he was, he was, he was crazy as a fuck, but he was a... Uh, he was my North Star. And he told me, you got to come down to this town, man. I'm in this town called in, down in New Orleans. He goes, you got to come down here. He says, it's the closest thing to Europe I've ever seen in the United States. Yeah. So uh, I went down. I, loaded, I had lost in Healy. I got lost in Healy hot. From a you guy, what? A buddy, my buddy Vinny. Wait, what guy, did you say? I lost in Healy. What did you say? I got an Austin in Healy. You know the Austin, Austin Healy's Healy sports Healy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I got this. I come back from Vietnam. And my friend Vinny, this guy who was talking about with Joe Denti and Pesci and everything. He said, well, you're back. You need a car, right? I said, yeah, I do need a car. He goes, what kind of car you want? I said, I'd love to get lost in Healy. He goes, what color? I says, I don't know, white. He says, okay. About four days later, he pulls up. He's got lost in Healy. The wires are hanging like this, right? There's no fucking, there's no ignition, right? Oh, man. He says, give me a thousand bucks. I says, you got it. Says, then he says to me, don't drive in a Riverdale. He says, oh, my God. <laughs> but, but he gives me the fucking registration. The papers, everything, right? For motor vehicles, right? Yeah. So my friend Maria, who knew him well, said when you go over his house, he had like 20 guys typing fucking, he had, they had so many, he was stealing so many cars, it was like incredible. Wow. So I drove it to New Orleans anyway, this Austin Healy. And my brother ended up fucking blowtorching the front end the way I went on a speed run one day. That's another story. <laughs> Three days of speed, he took a blowtorch and blew away the front of my beautiful car. But, uh, yeah, so I got a great... Somebody else's view. Yeah, somebody else. (laughs) You know, in all these fucking years, I never really thought about it like that. That guy guy lost the car twice. You know what? But you're right, man. You're right. I I, I never... All these years, I never even thought of that. But you're right. My God, you're right. It was somebody else's beautiful car. So how long did you live down there in New Orleans? I I went there for a week, and I stayed two years. Yeah. And I was... Drinking fucking like I was going to the band. I started tending bar in Pat O'Brien's. Yeah, I've been so, to Pat O'Brien's. Yeah, sure. I, was, I was tending bar there for a while, and uh, it was great. And I was fucking 22 with a Bronx accent, the fucking Southern Broads. Southern Broads, all married at 17, divorced at 19, and on the streets at 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. They say the definition of a, of a virgin in the South is a chick who can run faster than their older brother. <laughs> 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 that ain't far from fucking wrong. Yeah. So at 22, I was fucking, I was having a ball. I mean, I was, I was especially in New Orleans. Oh, I mean, my man. God. Plus, we had a place in the quarter. Me, and my brother, yeah. and he was tending bars. So like, you know, you get a phone call. Hey, Where Billy. was he working? Same joint. Yeah. He get a phone call. I built his three chicks there from uh, Jackson, Mississippi. You know, uh, get your ass over here. They're looking for a place to crash. You know, hey, come over with my brother. Uh, smoke a little weed. Come back to the house. It was like then if he was, I was at the house and he was working. Same shit. You get a phone call. You know. Yeah. It's great. Anyway, stayed there two years and uh, had a lot of fun, good time. And then I got fired at Pat O'Brien's for bullshit, but I got fired. 
It was bullshit. It must be if you can do all that and still keep yeah. your job. So uh, I came back and I opened up a couple of joints on my own in New York. And then I started bookmaking. And then you... And then... All right. So you had the joints going and bookmaking at the same time? Yes. And then I took the fireman's test because... Hey, yeah. What made you decide you wanted to a do A lot that? of guys I knew were firemen were coming into my joint, right? And they were friends of mine from when we were kids. Billy, you got to take this fucking job. It's a great job. The guys are great. The fuck, you're going to love the guys. The... Uh, it's fun. It's fucking action. You know, it's 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 a great job, and the busier the house you go to, the better the job is because that's where the best guys are. Because those are the guys that want to see fire. Those are the kind of guys you want to be around. Those are the guys with adrenaline. Those are the guys with energy. You know, and those are the guys that are up all night breaking fucking balls mm-hmm. because you can't go to sleep because the house is too busy. You can't go to sleep at fucking ten o'clock if you're going to be up at one. And up at one thirty, and up at two, and up at two, you stay awake all night. And you fucking get a couple of beers and you drink beer in the basement and stay awake. You know, and you go to jobs. You know, when I was in the Bronx, we we were going to eleven thousand runs a year. God damn, eleven thousand runs just a year. for the Bronx, just in my house, just in my house. We were the, right. We were the busiest. We were the second busiest house in New York at the time, and therefore maybe the third busiest in the world. But it was action. The guys, they, you know, they were fucking great and breaking balls, man. They all break balls, you know. And you great. say you, your shift will be. Uh, you're two on twelve hours, yeah, two twelve. Like on Monday, two twelve or two twenty fours. Two twenty fours. I'm sorry. I and then you're all. So you work Monday all day Tuesday. Get you off. Work, you go in there say Monday uh, morning at nine o'clock, right? Right. And then you get off the following Monday. What? The, the, the following Wednesday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Two twenty four. Or you can work one twenty four and then work another twenty four later in the. And week. then you're off the rest of the week. Yeah. But do you still go and hang out? And no, you're not, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. It's like Robert Mitchum said about movies. You know, they asked him why he never saw any of his own movies. He says they don't pay you to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fucking truth. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't fucking no. I didn't go hang out in the firehouse. I seen enough fucking fire that fucking lasts me for the rest of my fucking life and then some. I'm sure. I've seen plenty of it. So on 9/11, were you were you on call there? No, man. Let me tell you my story of 9/11. I was already retired, and uh, I was studying for captain. Wait, how many years did you do in twenty? 20 years wow. in the fire. And uh, I failed the captain's test. I never failed a test in my life. Not that I'm a great fucking bright guy or a great test taker, but I never failed a test in my life. And a captain's test is very competitive. It's like a $12,000 a year raise, and it comes along every five years. And I studied for about three years off and on, and then the last six months I really went out of heart, right, like a marathon, to study for this test. And I, took, I was studying with three other guys. It was four of us. They all passed, and I failed. Hmm. I was fucking devastated. Let's look at this motherfucker. I fucking failed this fucking test. I ain't waiting five years. I'm getting out. I got out. I retired. I went down to Florida, Key West. 9-11 happened, and those three guys are dead. No. Oh, man. Is, now, did they die in 9-11 or, or the- uh, 9-11. Uh, no, uh, no, right there that day. Wow. And no doubt in my mind, I make captain, I'm in that building. No fucking doubt in my mind. So they were first, They were literally first responders in that yeah, building. Yeah, they died. They three of my buddies. Yeah, we studied together. But uh, So wow. I'm alive for a reason, whatever reason it is. I don't believe in coincidences anymore. That shit's no, bullshit. so it's good to be dumb, you know? Yeah, you know what, man? Uh, that I'm was one te- of those. That was a joke. I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? There might, might be some truth to it. Uh, no, that might be some, some kind of. Yeah, I mean, who but, knows? But whatever it is, I'm here. So, uh, you know, whatever reason I'm here for, I don't know. I'm not a real big guy on faith. But I tell you one thing, I'm smart enough to know I don't know fucking nothing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm going to tell you well, the answers to what's been going on for 5,000 years. Is there a God? I don't know if there's a God. Is there fucking 
Uh, aliens, I don't know, probably. Is there uh, 12 dimensions? Well, the physicists say there's 12 dimensions. That, you know, yeah. I can barely spell physicists. So, you know, you want to talk about string theory? I don't understand it. There's a lot of shit I don't understand. Yeah. But I ain't got no answers. I got more questions, you know. So maybe there is a God. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's energy. Maybe it's like fucking uh, some kind of self-conscious, some kind of consciousness. I don't know. Energy. I don't know. But something's going on. Yeah. You think something's going on? Oh, yeah. There's definitely so- going oh on? yeah, there's definitely something yeah, going good. on. I say en- energy's fair. Yeah, Steve's really uh, Simone's really. Oh, uh, he's dude, like a fucking- every time you pass a church with Simone, he crosses oh, he's, he's, himself he's, in the car. He's, he's, he's a real, he's a real he Roman is, Catholic yeah. man. He ain't fucking he around. He's a Roman Catholic. Yeah, he's full tilt. <laughs> yeah, that's why I liked my first book. He was telling me he liked the fact that the guy you know uh, finds himself. You know, he's a drunk and he finds himself. I said, well, this one here, I did this deliberately. I wanted that character arc. You know, the guy's an atheist. He, in the first chapter, he wakes up with a leg in his bed, right? This happened to me, by the way. I'm drunk. I was on a four-day drunk, and I'm in Australia. And I wake up with a fucking prosthetic leg in my bed, right? What? In the fucking hotel room. No fucking idea how it got there. To, to this day. To this day, I don't know how it fucking got there. I mean, like, I wake up with a prosthetic leg in my fucking bed in Melbourne, Australia. Four-day load. No memory whatsoever of anything. Of course, the first thing you do when you got no memory after a four-day load and you wake up with a fucking leg in your bed <laughs> is you grab your own fucking legs, yeah, right? That's what it You say, whoa, fuck, man. Thank God for that. <laughs> anyway, if nothing oh else. Oh, my God. The adrenaline for that millisecond is <laughs> Thank God for that, baby. Still got two. And then you, you know, you're hung over, but you start to reflect. You say, man, how fucking drunk must I have been? If I'm with a fucking chick with one leg. And I don't even remember hopping around a room. Like, this ain't like a fucking mole or a stutter, yeah, right, right? This yeah. is something that should resonate. I don't give a fuck how, how drunk you are. You know, you've been with a one-legged woman. It's just like, you know. Uh, and then I started thinking, about, oh, fuck, what kind of a monster must I have been the chicken rather hop out of here rather than risk waking you me up? They get a fucking leg. That's right. Right. <laughs> if this chick left the left damn with the leg. Oh, my God. She's got to get refitted. I mean, you got a lot going on with the prosthetic. Hey, hey now another problem. How long do I hang on to it? Right. And who do you tell like you a take it to the front desk and be like, hey, man, somebody. Yeah. So what she found comes this by the ice Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all funny games, but what if she goes back six months from now like a mook I tossed out of her leg, right? <laughs> There's problems. I got problems. Alcohol causes problems. All right, uh, so you talked about the book. So at, at age 62, you decide, I'm going to college. That was a, uh, yeah. You know what happened? I was going out with a chick who was 20 years younger than me, and uh, she was really bright. She had two master's degrees, and they offered her a scholarship at the University of Florida, a doctorate. For uh, special education. So I'm up at Gainesville, whatever, and I said, you know what? I was jogging past the university, jogging my version of jogging. Yeah, right. you know? Guy comes by pulling a car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my version, I'm jogging around the university. I said, you know what? I always wanted to go to college. Vietnam got in the way. What the hell? As long as I'm going out with this chick, I'm going to be. She's an academic. I'm going to be around college. So I might as well, you know, go to college. So I applied at the University of Florida. They told me I had to go to junior college first, uh, Santa Fe, because I had to get all my, you know, English yeah, get 101. your basics. So, anyways, what happens? I go to the thing, the basic bullshit, algebra, all the shit you learn in high school. But of course, you haven't done it in 40 years. So, guess what? I don't know that I could do it now. Yeah, guess what? It's new. You know. Yeah. yeah. But so I took the first thing, English 101, which basically I was telling Ryan before. It's like, just see, can you write three coherent paragraphs and put it into a, an essay of sorts? You like know, I can like, talk 50,000. Exactly. 
Writing. <laughs> Writing? I don't know. So it was an English one. So I wrote the fucking paper. First thing I ever wrote in my life, I gave it into a... Now, you uh, used hand motion. You're not using computers then? No, this wasn't no, that I was, long I was ago. writing, yeah. Okay. But I was, we were still writing. I mean, I was, yeah, we were using computers. Later, I know later on when I got the... But I, I might have just used that because that's the way I talk. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious if they actually Is had your hand write it. I, I mean, love am I to on the level? I don't know if I'm on the level. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to know that I they might still be on do level. that. I think I might not be on a level. Uh, so anyway, I, I write this fucking thing. And she reads it. And she says, can you do me a favor? About three days later, she stay after class. She goes, you mind if I do anything with this? I said, this is an English 101 paper. I said, what are you going to do? Wipe your ass with it? Do whatever <laughs> yep. you want with it. Right. Said, of course. Next morning I wake up, I got like 400 emails, right? From all over the world, from Jordan, from fucking Ireland, from New Zealand. <laughs> Mr. O'Connor, I read your piece. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what the? I said, my girlfriend, what does this mean? She goes, you got published. I said, I couldn't have got published. I didn't write anything. She goes, you wrote something. She goes, trace it back and see where it is. So it was a, this magazine called uh, Counterpunch. Time. Counterpunch. <laughs> Time, yeah. Okay, Counterpunch. And they, and they go out to three million people worldwide, right? But it's an online magazine, right? But it's a left, left-wing magazine, you know? So I wrote a, an article about pretty much comparing Vietnam to Iraq. Iraq, we just invaded Iraq. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is bullshit, man. This is the same shit they sold me in Vietnam. This is a fucking hand job. And I wrote a piece about it. And it went viral. First of all, it went counterpunch. Yeah. Then USA Today picked it up. Yeah, everyone picked then, it up. Then, yeah, all these internet agencies started picking it up. So uh, I said to my girlfriend, holy shit. Was, like, was it... Were you just it trying, was like shooting heroin, were you man. Try, <laughs> but were you like trying to take a stand against the fact that like these now that we're in Iraq, these guys don't have AC, these guys don't have <laughs> no pussy, you know no I mean? pussy, no comfortable living standards. There's no pussy. You can't find a no world without gambling. pussy. How can you find a world without pussy? You can't find a world without pussy. You gotta have pussy. Even World War Two, you know. Uh, in the you said something. The flying at the, tigers. I'm you sorry. said. You said something at the podcast on Paul's podcast. It's one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in my life. You said, even pussy killed King Kong. Yeah, I yeah, laughed. Yeah, so yeah, it's the true. goddamn truth. Can't fight pussy, man. It is the goddamn <laughs> pussy killed King Kong. Pussy killed King Kong, Kong man. But uh, planes uh, didn't kill that beast. Blonde <laughs> pussy made that fucking monkey crazy. Yeah, it, it was the pussy that killed King Kong. Yeah. It was. Can't fight pussy, man. So, you uh, what, so you get 400 emails. Yeah, so I, it's like fucking, you know, so now it's like shooting heroin. I see like everybody's publishing this piece that I wrote. First thing I ever wrote in my life. So I said to my girlfriend, hey, maybe I can write. She goes, probably. It looks like it. <laughs> so she says, uh, she says, what's the quickest way to learn? She says, journalism. Take journalism. And she goes, they'll give you the bricks and the stones. If you take English, you're going to go back to the same old bullshit, Chaucer and Shakespeare and all that yeah. shit you did in high school. And besides that, Hemingway even said that English teachers to kill more fucking writers than alcohol. Yeah, the way to write it's just like comedy, man. There's no difference. You're writers. You both writers. You do comedy. You get that means you got to be writers. I mean, the way to write is you throw the shit. You talk. I don't know how you do it on stage. When I'm on stage, I'm talking to one guy, one person. Just like I'm gonna sit in a bar telling a story. When I write a book, I'm sitting there talking to Jay and I'm telling my story just like this, and I just throw it on a page just like that. Yeah. And then once it's on the page, I got maybe. 3,000 words for the first chapter. Well, now my job is to see if I can get every fucking thought that's in there down and make it do it in 500 words or 400 words. Mm-hmm. You know, edit and edit and edit and cut and cut and cut and don't waste the reader's time. You know, that's the game. Just like the comedy. Quicker you get to the punchline and sharper the point, right? Well, it depends. Yeah, you want I mean, the long I do long form storytelling, yeah. so. Yeah. I, but when you, know, you want the bam, 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 it's there. Yeah. If you want to reach up in the balcony and bring him back with bam, 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 you got that. Yeah. So, you know. 
So it's cool, man. But writing for me is, uh, it's, it's, you know, I got a lot of stories. I got a lot of stories to tell. You know, I really do. I had a lot of fucking fun, man. A lot of fun. Uh, and it's a morale. Listen, I'm sober, man. I'm sober 12 years. And that's amazing because, uh, you know, I mean, uh, that's my drug of choice. I mean, I still smoke a little devil's lettuce every now and then. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> don't get me devil's wrong. Lettuce. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not immune. You smoke that cigarettes? I he, just quit again about three months ago, but I've. You just hand rolled one out in the yeah, parking lot. I just we quit again about talking. just like I said, just you quit did, about huh? three months ago. I just All quit right. again, so now I succumbed this morning, and uh, but you know I was always smoking when I was drinking. You know I couldn't even walk into a bar. Yeah, without even ordering a beer yet. As soon as I walked into a bar, I go to the cigarette machine because I knew. Yeah, of course. Once you have a drink, you gotta right. smoke. Yeah, you're gonna. I mean, that's the way it was. It was ham and eggs, you know. Yeah. It's a jazz song, ain't it? Well, look, man, we're uh, we're there, man. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, man, thank you so much dude, for having me, man. Dude, I'm not kidding, man. Pushing, yeah, pushing, pushing, the, pushing the book is great, man. It's, uh, go to looking for Confessions of a Bronx Bookie first. I'm proud of that story. It's funny as shit. Stevie Van Zandt from the E Street Band uh, and the Sopranos was pushing right. it for me for a while. So uh, it's well worth the read, man. I wouldn't break your balls. I wouldn't lie to you. Take a look at it, and uh, you'll like it. That's fantastic. And then the new one's Demick. And the new one's Demick. And Jay, you're a fucking great talking to you, man. I feel like I know you all my fucking life. Yeah, well, I mean. No kidding. Same shit. I think everyone talks to you feels that way about you. (laughs) Hey, Well, that's kind of a compliment. What we didn't do is, uh, do you have a website or social media, Twitter? Oh, yeah, Bronx. Thank you so much. BronxBilly.com. Go to BronxBilly.com, and I'm Billy O'Connor on Facebook. So friend me there, too, man. I write a lot, and... uh, I like to bullshit. I like to sit down with people that are captive audiences. God forbid you're ever in a car with me or something like that. You're, you'll hang yourself well, now, by the end of the journey. <laughs> now that you're up in the mountains, why aren't you going to start your own podcast? I mean, you should just do your you own should, podcast. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, Come I don't on. know, man. Who the fuck I feel like those? you probably have opinions on everything. Oh, I, I'm very opinionated. Well, you say who wants to I think, listen. I think but... the whole world is entitled to my opinion, too, yeah. which makes it worse. Yeah. Well, you said who would listen, but you, you had no idea the people around the world would read that little article either, so. Yeah, that's true. It's you true. should do it. You got to throw the fucking dice, man. Like I said, if you don't take it out of your pants, you ain't getting blown. And when, you show it, and when you show it, show it hard. Scare money don't win. <laughs> no sense of taking it out nope. when it's soft. Yeah, show nope. it hard. Um, well, thank you again, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's great to have you on. As always, jlarsoncomedy.com, jlarsoncomedy on all social media. RyanSickler.com, Ryan Sickler on all social media. We'll talk to you all next Tuesday.